When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. KYA is sponsored by Full Tilt Boogie by Alex DeCampi and Eduardo Ocaña. Full Tilt Boogie is the planet-conquering, prince-rescuing, ramen-eating brand-new YA graphic novel from Alex DeCampi and Eduardo Ocaña. T is a teenage bounty hunter who travels through space with her grandmother and cat. But when they rescue the narcissistic Prince Ifan from prison, all hell breaks loose. Along the way, they wake up a 2,000-year-old assassin, meet Ethan's biggest fan and his bored sister, and accidentally restart an intergalactic war. Chased by sacred knights and undead warriors, it's all in a day's work for the crew of the Full Tilt Boogie. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Sarah Hannah Gomez, and Tirza Price. And this week, we have a special guest, author Shiva Karim. We are recording on Wednesday, May 12th, 2021. Welcome, Shiva. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Exciting to be here. Yes, we are so excited that you could join us. Yes, I know we are all super excited about this topic, but if you really quick want to tell people who you are, aside from author Shiva Karim, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm Shiva Karim, and I am an, an author of four YA novels, and my fourth one is out May 18th, The Marvelous Mirza Girls, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee with my husband and two girls, and we're hopefully getting cat this summer. Ooh, yay! I am a big fan of cats. That's exciting. Nice. So usually we chit chat. And I know because Teresa and I talk every week because we also have another <laughs> podcast. We're always like, should we talk about this news or this news or this news or this other news? And I know she was mentioning you did a big book drive. Is it called Books for Hope? Yeah, Books for Hope. You should tell us about it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a pretty intense time for me. It's an intense time for anyone who has friends and family in India because, you know, there's a disastrous second wave that's been happening in India with COVID. Um, And my book is set Mm -hmm. in Delhi. And so it's just, you know, when I was writing the book, I could never have imagined what would be happening in Delhi, like people dying on the streets and looking for oxygen. So like, you know, I, one day I I messaged a few other YA writers and it was like, Hey, should we do a fundraiser or maybe donate some signed books so people, you know, give money to UNICEF or some organization. And the response was so overwhelming that it became this whole huge fundraising auction and almost 300 authors and agents and editors donated items or 400 items total. And we counted up all the bids. It's over $50,000. It's going to UNICEF India Relief. So pretty exciting. Amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yes. And so, Shiba, if people go to the website, they can still donate. That's correct? Yeah. So if they go to booksforhope.org, they'll see on the website, it'll direct you to where you can donate. And if you send us an email and it's all it's all on the website, then we can, we'll count your donation as, as part of our tally. Awesome. That is fantastic. Just 
if you need people to raise money, you go to book people. Just like if you need to arrange a protest, elementary school teachers, like just don't, <laughs> elementary school teachers can make <laughs> anything happen with like very well organized. And then this is so amazing. And then earlier, you know, last year, I guess, or this year, around the time of the election, I don't even know what day it is. We had romancing the runoff for Georgia when, you know, the romance community just like rallied like no other and created such, you know, an incredible auction that they had to keep like upping and adding prizes <laughs> and upping their goal. Like, <laughs> So I am not surprised that you had success with this. Yeah. And the Asian Authors Alliance, their Stop AAPI Hate fundraising auction and they raised over 50 grand. So the, the kidlit community, man, it's, it's always, and authors in general, it's really. Yeah. People who read, especially like, I'm sorry, it's genre readers and children's and YA readers. Yeah. Are like probably <laughs> you can read other things, but I'm just saying like readers of yeah. genre, like just seem to be a different, like a different type of fan. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yes. Oh, well, that's so awesome. And I'm so glad we can share that with our listeners. So if you haven't checked out Books for Hope, head over to booksforhope.org. Yeah. So let's go into our first sponsor so that then we can get started on this topic we're really excited about. This episode is sponsored by Flatiron Books, publisher of Tokyo Ever After by Emiko Jean. It's an irresistible story about an ordinary Japanese-American girl who discovers that her father is the crown prince of Japan, which means outspoken, irreverent Izumi Tanaka is literally a princess. In a whirlwind, Izzy travels to Japan and finds herself caught between worlds. Back home, she was never American enough, and in Japan, she must prove she's Japanese enough. Will she crumble under the weight of the crown, or will she live out her fairy tale happily ever after? So thank you to Flatiron Books, publisher of Tokyo Ever After by Emiko Jean for sponsoring today's episode. So today we are going to be talking about YA and why we need more post-high school stories. And, you know, what are we loving about those stories? Why they're important to see? You know, just why college stories are important, but also stories about teens who don't go to college, because that is also a reality. And then a little bit about what we want to see more of. So as we mentioned, uh, you know, she was an amazing YA author and her latest book fits in this category. So could you start us off by telling us, like giving us an elevator pitch for your new book, which is fantastic, by the way. I loved it so much. <laughs> yes, uh, can confirm. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, so The Marvelous Mirza Girls is a novel in which the protagonist, Noreen, is graduating from high school and is still grieving the loss of, of her beloved aunt and isn't excited about college the way she thinks she should be. And so she decides to defer college for a year and relocate to New Delhi with her mom, who she's very close to, hoping that, you know, That'll sort of solve her problems, help her process her grief. And in New Delhi, she meets Kabir, this handsome and kind boy who takes her around the city and they fall in love. And there's some family scandals that erupt that they have to deal with. Um, but by the end of her experience in Delhi, she's grown into herself in many ways and has kind of gotten her groove back. Yes, I really enjoyed this book so much. I just really felt like the emotional immediacy was 
I just so, I don't know, it was so much, so there, like, I wish I could say it more eloquently, but from the very first page, you were just completely in it with Noreen. And I really love that. Thank you. Yeah. Like there's some YA realism where I feel like, you know, like it's such affected speech and dialogue that you're like, this is not like how real 16 year olds communicate at all. Or if you're lucky, this is how they communicate in writing, but nobody actually talks this way. (laughs) And yours, I was like, I would totally roll with these people. Like they actually, like they sound very now, they are a bit younger than me, but also like they're in their twenties, which (laughs) think, you know, the mid twenties are not too far (laughs) from my age. (laughs) And yeah, I was like, they really seem just natural they do like young adult things you know like YA is for teens but like young adults are you know the characters in your in your book um and I know we'll talk more about like kind of new adult young adult all that but yeah it really felt like you know we are young but we're also adults and we do stuff and we like oh man the whole holy (laughs) the entire day of holy (laughs) I have always wanted to go to a holy celebration just because I'm like this is like tie-dye but better and like just (laughs) celebrating colors is such a cool idea for a holiday (laughs) but then I was like oh my god there's holy molly water (laughs) yeah yeah well everyone (laughs) even the grandmothers get high (laughs) yeah I mean holy is traditionally you 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 drink bong which is a you know a kind of marijuana and that's been part of it for for centuries a lot of people don't know that but (laughs) I had no idea I just thought it was you know getting dye from plants and (laughs) it's that too like hooray nature (laughs) so fantastic so this is not your first book where you've set things after high school, correct? Yeah. So that thing we call a heart is set the summer after high school. And then Mariam Charmer hits the road that it's three best friends. And so two of them are in college. Yeah. So what do you think like draws you to that, that sort of post high school experience in writing YA? I, I think it's just such it's an interesting time because in high school, you're still, I mean, I'm speaking, I'm speaking in general terms, but you know, you're still living at home most likely and you're relatively sheltered. And then once you graduate high school and you know, it's, it's a big turning point. And then suddenly you're considered an adult, like legally and in so many ways. And yet you still have so much to figure out. And some of that you do in college, if you go to college or you do on your own, if, if, you know, if you're not in college, but it's like another it's another phase in your life when you're, you're kind of still growing into adulthood and still figuring out who you are. But I feel like the responsibilities and expectations of you have grown a lot just because you've graduated high school. And I think there's not, you know, I love reading about that, that phase in life because I think it's such a seminal part of our life and it's not, it's not as explored right in, in YA as, as the high school experiences. Yes. Yeah. Or an adult. And that's, yeah, I think, yeah. the problem. And that's why right, right. <laughs> we're all sad. Like, there's just, you're not allowed to write about someone between 20 and 25 yeah. years old. Like, it's just like, yeah. that is a nowhere's land. Yeah. It, it does. It feels kind of like this dead zone. And I remember feeling, you know, I, I was a big YA reader in high school. And then I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, okay. You know, I'm 18, 19. And, and for my experience, I, I've still lived at home. I was going to college locally, but I lived at home and I was like, wow, not much has changed since my high school years in many ways, but in many ways, you're right. Like it is a time when like 
more is expected of you. And you have to figure out this adult world. And it, in some ways, it does kind of feel like a switch is turned and you're like, wait, I'm supposed to know all this stuff, but like nobody prepared me for it. But at the same time, a lot of times it could just kind of feel like you're you're still living in that high school realm. And that can be really, really tricky. And I think that if I had had more of these books when I was in high school, maybe it would have better prepared me. Yeah. It, and it's also a time I think when a lot of people sort of have their first intense, like romantic and maybe sexual relationship, you know, and which, which kind of form yes. a basis for, for the rest of your life. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And as somebody who did not date in high school, like I totally feel that. And I, you know, really love all of these college stories or, or just post high school stories of exploration because they definitely feel like they are kind of hitting the same way that young adult books do, but they are just exploring that that next step. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I'm like sitting here trying to think of something smart to say, like, <laughs> I agree with both of you. And I think like the other thing that's so weird about publishing's whole, like, just, I don't want to touch it if they're like, you know, out of high school, but not, you know, with a 401k, like <laughs> with that, like, you know, age gap is like school stories and summer camp stories and boarding school stories have always been kind of like my my catnip. And I was realizing when kind of thinking about this episode, like I think one of the reasons I like that stuff is because not all of those, but a lot of those feel more like what I was doing in college and how people acted in college and what's going on and what problems you have. And you know, and I think it's because those like, you know, kind of take away the adults and the adults are still like kind of there, you know, like you have like a camp counselor or like whatever, but you're still given more freedom than, you know, a really regimented high school life. And yeah, so I just realized I was like, oh, that's probably, you know, aside from like having romantic ideas of boarding school, I think it's also <laughs> like there are a lot of YA books that I think everything happening and the characters, the way they're developed and whatever else. I'm like, no, this is actually like what happens to a 21 year old. You were just told to like <laughs> put it down so people wouldn't be afraid. But this is definitely like, you know, 20 year old stuff, not 17 year old stuff. Like, you know, because we're not done developing till we're 25. Car companies are the only ones who have gotten it right. As far as, like, <laughs> when, when you're actually a mature adult, like that's the only one that actually matches brain development. I, what, when are you a mature adult? Cause I'm still, yeah, I'm in my forties well, and sometimes I wonder. <laughs> oh yeah. Your brain though, this is done growing at 25. Ah, so. yes, yes. Yeah. So that's where the yes. car companies are, are right. I remember I rented a car for my first um, like big job interview. They flew me out to campus and we're like, just rent a car and we'll pay it back. And I was like, they're going to rescind the job offer when they get the bill for the car and see that I had to pay the premium because I'm 24. (laughs) 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 I was so afraid it was all over. Also, that's where the 25 things comes from. I always wondered why 25. Good to know. Yeah. So you can rent over 18, but you have like a premium Mm -hmm. until you're 25 because you're considered a higher risk driver. See, and these are things that like, I feel are very important to know when you're in that like 18 to 25 zone, but like nobody tells you. Right. So this is why we need YA books that also explore this. (laughs) Yes. And I think that like for a lot of people who, who do kind of explore different facets of the world and, you know, or maybe are a little bit more sheltered, like this is why I've always been like, we need more YA books that explore, um, you know, college or because 
I mean, I'm lucky enough that my my parents have gone to college, but I know a lot of people who are first generation college students and my spouse teaches a lot of first generation college students and like so many students just don't know what to expect and I just think man if we had a really good you know library of YA books that teens could read before like it would at least you know it wouldn't teach them everything but I feel like it would give you like this sort of baseline of like okay this is what to expect or this is a thing I can expect or I could possibly run into uh, because I was that type of reader that always always read to try to get experience yeah yeah college prep is wild yeah and I think uh you know, you can't really turn to film and TV for because you know when you watch college depictions. There, it's it's like <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, and every teen TV show dies and gets canceled like soon after they try to make it work at college, or they just age everyone up and go like four years later. Yeah, that, that's true. But like college, they can't make work. Killed Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. Killed Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Like can't do it. Yeah. The brain thing that you're mentioning that I don't know if any of you saw this, but when they were during the pandemic and then and colleges were starting to bring students back in person, there was this op-ed in the New York Times. I'm going to bungle the science, but she was like a, a, a you know neuroscientist. She was saying that in college students, the, the like you're saying, their brain is still developing. And so their risk and reward center, like they're more likely to take much higher risks for the reward and not and think about not think about the consequences as much because some quartal something, something isn't quite developed mm-hmm. yet. So um, so that's kind of what we're saying. Like you have, you still have kind of this, this growing youthful brain, but then you have a lot of responsibility and, and consequences have increased as well. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sitting in my office on campus right now. So every Wednesday I get to campus and I'm like, you damn kids. (laughs) Why are you out not wearing your masks? But yeah, I'm like, it's irresponsible. But also like, I get that it's like just literally harder for you to make that active choice because you're just, you're not stupid. You're just like, you're not supposed to be listening to the adults right now. Like that's not where you are in life. Like your job is to be testing boundaries, but like (laughs) wear your mask. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And, and I think that, you know, that kind of sort of ties into like this idea of like, I think a lot of YA books, we kind of expect these teenage characters to have more things figured out by a certain age than like what is realistic. So I do like seeing you know, these, these college set YA books were like, you know, they're showing readers that like teens are still figuring themselves out at 18, at 19, at 20. Like, it's not a like, okay, now you graduated from high school, you're going off into the world, everything will be great. Like it'll, it'll all enroll out for you. Like it, this is a constant thing that you're going to have to deal with in life. And, and I will talk about our, our picks later in the episode, but I think that is definitely a big theme with at least the books that I picked, picked to talk about. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, a lot of YA books, like high school books, you know, they, they, a lot of them will end on this note of like the problem has been solved or everything's kind of be good, going to be good from here on out. But the reality is, you know, there's going to be new challenges ahead as you graduate and go to college and new things that come up, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I know like for me, you know, I went to a, a pretty small high school. There were 44 people in my graduating class. And, you know, then I went to a state university that I believe at the time had been, you know, 
like kind of declared by Playboy that like it couldn't be on its list of party schools anymore because it wasn't <laughs> fair to list professionals on a list with amateurs. <laughs> oh, and wow. like all of a sudden I was like, these are all the things I see in all the teen books and movies, like this type of party, this type of drama, like, but it's now when I'm 19, like this was not how things went at my small school. So this is more of the kind of cliche media high school experience, but I'm getting it in college. So. Yeah. I also wanted to touch um, on the fact that there are some great YA books coming out that deal with life experiences after high school that aren't necessarily tied to college. And I really liked that, you know, the Marvelous Mirza Girls does focus on this, like, even though Noreen is college bound um, at the beginning of the book, like she makes the choice to defer and take a gap year. And I think that's really, really great because as we know, not every teenager is destined to like start college at 18 and always be set up for success. And sometimes that means, you know, you don't go to college, you go to a trade school, you figure, you know, something else out, but sometimes like also you just need some time to figure yourself out. And like, uh, you're not a failure for, for having to take that time and have other and different life experiences. So that's one of the one things I really liked about your book. Yeah. Same. Thank you. I remember, so after college, I moved to London on this like work visa exchange program for six months. Um, and I got to backpack a little bit. And this, so this was right after I graduated college. And I, I didn't realize this, but I, I'm backpacking around. And I met all of these Aussies and Kiwis who are like, to take a gap year, a lot of them right after high school. So I graduated from high school and they travel around the world for a full year, like in their gap year, just like exploring and seeing things before they even start college. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is so true. I was going to say, like, I think we're going to find more of this in Australian YA because they're yeah, so big right. on gap years. <laughs> and like, if Europe had a bit more YA, I know they're just not as... I don't want to say there's not any YA, but I know Australia is kind of like another like big hub of YA publishing. So yeah, they, as I understand it, they, it's pretty weird not to take a gap year. Like it's pretty much expected. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a, it's a lovely, I mean, I think part of it is they figure it's so far, Australia's so far from everything that if you go, you might as well like keep going. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but it must, I mean, I imagine you, when you start college, you're just, you've had all these experiences. You've probably had been in all these kinds of situations where you had to like think fast or I don't know, you've seen so many things and I, I'm sure you, it would make you a better student. For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it just the idea of getting outside of a country that you've always known or, you know, for many people like their area, their community um, and, and traveling and seeing the world. I know I was very fortunate that I was able to study abroad in college and, you know, everybody was always like, oh, you know, you're going to go abroad and your view of the world's going to shift and you're going to come home with like just, a, you know, a broader perspective. And I was kind of like, yeah, 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 I'm sure. Um, but I, I like, no, I really did. And then I came home and I was like, oh, dang, they were, they were right. Like my, my worldview has shifted quite a bit because of having that experience of travel. And, and I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was able to, to have that experience. So I think yeah, there's definitely something very valid about, you know, go travel before you sort of settle down in your serious academic studies. Like it is an education in and of itself. 
Yeah, it'd be great if we had more, you know, like there's the Peace Corps and AmeriCorps and like there are things, you know, because obviously, you know, like you were kind of alluding to, like study abroad or just world travel is not, you know, financially feasible for lots of people. But yeah, having other programs that are just like, you know, we know you'll be a better citizen if we like let you leave for a while. So why don't we subsidize it is I think we could do with more programs like that, even if it's just out of state or other side of the country or, you know, like it'd be nice if we had more affordable ways for people to take a gap year. Cause I don't know. I feel like there's no reason not to, except that there are lots of reasons not to, but there shouldn't be a reason <laughs> not to. Like it's, it is like an objectively better choice, like developmentally. It's just not feasible with capitalism. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. So I'm curious to hear what you both have to say, but what do you think you would like to see more of in those YA books that are set after high school graduation? And I know that's a big question, so (laughs) (laughs) I can go first if you'd like, Um, because I know I personally, I, I mean, I love seeing these books. We, you know, we've talked a lot about like, you know, books set in college, books not set in college. I, I personally would like to see like more instances of teens who choose either not to go to college right away or who like just, you know, need some time to figure things out. I know that there are a lot of people I've known personally that they feel the pressure, like they have to go to college right after high school. Um, Cause if they don't, then they're like marked as like some kind of failure and that's just, you know, not really the case. So I think more stories of discovery um, that aren't necessarily, you know, the beaten path. That's really exciting to me. And I'd love to see more explorations of that. I think, like I was saying before, you know, I, I, I think it's always nice to have more narratives about people, whether they're in college or not, but, you know, in your, in your early 20s, just having these relationships that, you know, because potentially you could get married. I mean, you're young, but there's sort of the, the more of a weight to them in a way than, than in high school. And a lot of times, you know, you might be like, you know, coming into your own sexually as well. And I think, you know, young people need more stories that talk about, about sex and the body and in frank and honest way and complicated ways. Um, That's definitely something we could use more of. Oh, I totally agree. I also, I mean, I, I will co-sign both of your (laughs) requests. I also want to see more stories about people who just who were never really college bound and who don't have like a deus ex machina, like scholarship, like just people who just don't go mm-hmm. to college and are still like, you know, people, you know, cause I've thanks to Facebook reconnected with, you know, like random people from middle school and stuff. And I remember talking to one girl and, you know, it was just like, Oh, so what have you been doing? Blah, blah, blah. And she showed me pictures of her kid and all that. And I was like, this is so weird. Cause like, we're the same age. But you have like, you know, we're both in our early 30s and you have like a third to twice as much years of full-time work experience than I have. You know, like you've been working full-time since you were 19. I went to school and then I went to some other school and then I took a little break and then went to some other school. Like, so just, I honestly like, just, I don't know what it looks like to do all of the like kind of to be 19. So still kind of like dumb and bumbling around and just trying to like figure out how to live and how stuff works, but also have just like a job, you know, like, cause I think we always view it as kind of like, 
you know, there's a gap year, which is great, but it's still college with the ultimate goal or you're like a failure because you didn't get into school. But I'm like talking to these people. And like, as far as I can tell, they're still normal. They just didn't go to college. And I have no idea what their lives looked like after high school. So I would love to see more just these are, you know, like I, I live, I work. These are my hobbies. These are my friends. I just happen to not be at college. Definitely. Yeah. Like there, there are a lot of people in 2021 and living in, in the real world, right? Like not on a campus, yeah. but like, you know, like you were saying, like full-time jobs and maybe living in an apartment or whatever. And yeah, we don't. And I wonder if part of that is, I wonder if like publishing in hey, the publishing industry is very college educated, right? Right. <laughs> There's something yes. There. Yeah. And if, if I don't know if it's partly that and partly they don't want to get if they're they're concerned that they don't want to get the message that one shouldn't go to I don't know what it is. I think it's probably more biased toward college than Yeah. Oh definitely. I think you're right. That is the American narrative, right? Like go to college or you're a failure. Yeah. And I I think that you're right it's probably like a combination of like publishing being biased in that direction but I would also wonder you know how how those books would necessarily be like positioned or marketed because um, I think that is probably an internalized bias for a lot of like you know, the so-called gatekeepers, teachers and librarians. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, teachers and librarians don't want stories like that, but I also can see why some people would kind of be like, eh, maybe not, or shy away from those, but they're definitely needed. I mean, yeah, like that, I, I still live in my hometown and I don't know a lot of people, um, you know, my age who didn't go to college and, and it's kind of like you, Hannah, I'm like, oh, you know, you guys have like, five or six years of, of like full-time real life working experience on me. And I think that's really fascinating. And I would love to see more of that as well. Yeah. This whole, like, I want to see it, but not as a like deficit model, you know? Like, cause in some ways I'm like, cool. Like I had to like do all this weird social stuff and school and find a part-time job. Like you just got to kind of go immediately into like, hopefully like a good work experience, but just like have your hobbies when you get home and go dating. And like, <laughs> yeah, know. I'm sure it comes with its own challenges and, and all of that, but yeah, I think it's just a different, you know, aspect to explore. And, and that's really exciting. Yeah. So let's talk about our second sponsor and then get into the books. Cause I know otherwise we're going to be here for three hours <laughs> and I have no problem with that, but I think listeners and audio editors might. <laughs> Our sponsor this week is Spells Trouble by PC and Kristen Cast. Double Double Twin Spell Trouble. Hunter and Mercy Good are twin witches, direct descendants of the founder of their town of Goodville. As their ancestors have done before them, it is now time for the twins to learn what it means to be gatekeepers, the protectors of the gates to different underworlds, ancient portals between their world and realms where mythology rules and nightmares come to life. When their mother becomes the first victim in a string of murders, the devastated sisters vow to avenge her death, but it will take more than magic to rein in the ancient mythological monsters who've infected their peaceful town. Now Hunter and Mercy must come together and accept their destiny or risk being separated for good. Thank you to Macmillan Audio and Spells Trouble by PC and Kristen Cast. All right. So we are, we each have picked a book or author or 
knowing Hannah, she's probably got more than one book <laughs> to talk <laughs> about what you're talking about. <laughs> and so, okay, we're, we're going to just share some of our recommendations for books that are set after high school. And I will go first. Um, so I don't know if you've listened to me at all. You know that I am a big fan of Mary H.K. Choi. Um, she has written three books. Her first book is Emergency Contact, and it is very much like a first year, you know, off to college type of book. It starts with the protagonist moving into her college dorm. Her second book is called Permanent Record, and it is about a guy named Pablo who actually has dropped out of college and is working a job and trying to make ends meet. And he's not in the healthiest of positions because he feels very pressured to, you know, go back to college. He can't really seem to like pull his life together. And then the third book is called Yoke. And it is um, about two sisters and one is 23 and is working this full-time high powered finance job in New York city. And then her um, younger sister, Jane is a college student and she's in art school. And it's really interesting because that book, um, you know, the protagonist is in college, but we get very few actual like college experience um, in that book because it's mostly about her relationship with her sister. What I think is so interesting about Mary H.K. Choi's books is that she has kind of showcased three very different post high school experiences. You know, you have the first year at college, you have you know, tried college, but now I'm out of it. And then you have somebody who's like in her, I think it's like second or third year of college, but it's not the most important thing in her life. She's dealing with a bunch of other stuff. And I'm just utterly fascinated by the fact that these books are, you know, marketed as YA. I I think that YA is largely a marketing term. So, you know, we can make an argument for that being YA, not just because, you know, the characters have to be a certain age, but in a lot of ways, you know, people would look at those books and be like, well, are they really YA? Are they new adults? Because they don't fit that, you know, high school age range. And I think her oldest protagonist is like 20 or 21, but they feel like a YA book for me. And I think that's because they are dealing with a lot of the topics and issues that we have been chatting about of discovery and, you know, just figuring out your life. And that is very relevant to teenage readers, you know, teenage readers in high school, teenage readers out of high school. Um, so that is why I love Mary H.K. Choi's books. Again, those titles are Emergency Contact, Permanent Record, and Yoke. So Shiva, what do you have to recommend to us? Yeah, so I, I'll second. Um, I, I read Emergency Contact over the summer, and I really, that was a great book. Oh, yeah. But I read uh, Like Water by Rebecca Podos, and it was really so she so the protagonist is somebody who, you know, has always planned on going to college, but then her father is diagnosed with Huntington's disease. And so, you know, after graduation, she stays home to help out. They have a family restaurant, you know, because her father's getting, you know, more and more like physically unable to do things. And um, and she lives in like, you know, Bumble you know, New Mexico, like a small town. And, uh, and it, you know, I'm, I love New Mexico. I've spent a few months living there. I'm like minorly obsessed with it. So that was part of the attraction for me. Anything set in New Mexico. <laughs> but So she's in this like small town, New Mexico. And it's really, it's really interesting because, you know, I feel like 
in my book, like I'm kind of exploring, like sometimes you go, like this happened to me in my thirties. Um, I, I moved, so I, I lived in London after college. And then in my thirties, I moved to New Delhi on a Fulbright. So that was my second time living abroad. And in New Delhi, I had kind of a life-changing experience. I ended up staying for two years, but I, um, I realized these things about myself that were kind of always there. And, you know, looking at it, you know, after I realized, I'm like, these were, you know, why didn't I realize this before? Why didn't I like come to these understandings before? And it took me literally like going halfway across the world and going like into a completely unfamiliar environment to have these sort of self-realizations. Whereas, you know, the the protagonist in like water undergoes a similar thing where where she realizes thing about realizes things about herself um, while staying in her small town, you know, that she's like, pushing against that she doesn't want to be there. And, and often I think that happens because somebody new enters the picture, right? Because the environment is the same, but then there's a new person who comes along and shakes things up. And, and so in this case, it's a woman named Lee. And so Bonnie, the protagonist and Lee fall in love. And so Bonnie kind of discovers, you know, that she, she likes women. And so there's that whole self-discovery. And, um, and then the other part that was interesting is that she, if Huntington's disease is genetic, and so you can take a test, to, and they can tell you if you're going to ha- get Huntington's disease. Either if you're not going to get it, if you're going to get it at an old age, or if you're going to get it at a younger age. And so some people opt to take the test and find out and live with that and deal with the knowledge, whatever the answer is. And some people decide they're not going to take the test and not find out. I didn't know any of this. I learned this all from, from the book. And so the other thing that she's grappling with is whether or not she's going to take this test. And ultimately, she decides to take the test at the end of the book. And the author decided not to tell the reader the results. The results are not revealed, which I thought was an interesting decision. And, uh, and I think, I think some readers get upset because they want to know, but I, I think the not knowing kind of stays with you in some ways longer than the knowing. Um, so I liked it. So, but, but it does end with, you know, they it jump into the future and she does go to college like a year later. So it was a great, it was a really, a great setting and just a really moving book. Oh my gosh. I have not read that book, but you've just sold me. So thank you. I loved your point about how settings can kind of, um, you know, be like, like this moment of growth or like an example of growth, Um, especially when it comes to small towns. I have to say, like, I grew up in a very small town and I actually stayed in my small town and my feelings about my small town at 18, so vastly different at like 28 and beyond. And I think that that is, you know, just a really great thing to explore, especially with this upper YA, because you don't necessarily get that when you are at high school where everyone's like, oh, I hate my small town. I can't wait to leave. So. <laughs> so Tears is right. I had a list of like 12 books. And I'm like, Which one should I talk about? And then went to the library to get a bunch more. But, you know, I found I could not read six novels this week. Try as I might. But I am making my way very quickly through The Gilded Years by Karen Tanabe. Mm-hmm. And this is one that, you know, is published in the adult market because there's, you know, you're not allowed to have college and 20 to 20, you know, because nowhere land. But it's totally, I think, what new adult, you know, should have been. And it is the fictionalized story about Anita Hemings, who was the first African-American graduate of Vassar. And Vassar was not an integrated school. So it's 1897. She's a senior. 
And she's like, you know, I've almost made it. And no one has found out that I'm actually, you know, a Negro, as, as you would say back then. And, um, you know, so she's widely regarded as, you know, like a great student and, you know, has a beautiful voice, great in debate club. And everyone talks about how she's like the prettiest girl in the grade, in the class. And, you know, she's been hiding this huge part of her identity this entire time because she happens to be very light. And she gets a new roommate this year. And it's this very, like, you know, that character or that person in your life who's just so like, look at me, look at me, but in a way that like tries to pretend it's not look at me, look at me by like drawing everyone in and being like, you and I, we are such best friends, you and I going to a party, but it's really just about like taking up all the space. So she ends up rooming with that girl who's like so rich that, you know, she hangs out with Consuelo Vanderbilt and stuff. And so now Anita's like, this girl is like (laughs) very loud and I'm just trying to like stay quiet. Um, So the two of them in debate club have to argue Plessy versus Ferguson, which is a big case that had to do with a man who was, I think, an octoroon, which again, very old parlance, but you know, someone who was one eighth black, who was like found out on a train car and like the white train car. And so, you know, like filed a suit about how trains should be desegregated and he lost. And now Anita has to argue the side of like, you know, the pro one drop rule. So she's constantly put in these positions with um, Lottie, her new roommate, where, you know, they go and visit a friend at another university and, you know, the friend talks smack about Black students and Anita just has to sit there and be like, yeah, totally. So, yeah, it's a really, I'm I'm just sweeping through it. It's, I like that it's a college story. It also, you know, kind of has that like older feel because it's historical fiction. And I know um, before we started recording, we were talking about like, different eras and how, you know, a 16 year old in one era is going through the same life stage as a 26 year old in another era or another country. But, you know, so these girls are also like their classmates are dropping out, you know, in the middle of their college career to get married and stuff. But it's still very like young person because she's just trying to like do school and, you know, all of a sudden has like access to these very like elite parties and people and, and privileges and is like really well liked by all of these people, but also is like a fraud essentially. So yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. And I guess, you know, she was a real person that no one talks about and um, the author went to Vassar. So I think that's where she, where she found out about Anita Hemmings, but yeah. So it's just this really interesting story about, you know, women's colleges and who's allowed in and access and yeah. Oh, it's really cool. So that is the one I decided to go with here. So even though even on our notes document, I have another one listed and I deleted like four more. Oh, <laughs> so. And I was looking it up as you were talking about it. And I see that it's soon to be adapted for film produced by Ooh. Zendaya in collaboration with Reese Witherspoon. Like and Zendaya is going to star yeah. in it. I'm so excited. That's really cool. I had never heard of this book and now I'm like, oh. You two are wrecking my TBR. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I read The Gilded Age last year with my book club, and it was really great. It's a great book. Awesome. Oh, it's such a cool time. And yeah, and it's a time where like old money is kind of like losing its hold on 
its elite status, kind of like now. I feel like we're going through another reckoning of, you know, the very wealthy being like, wait, the people are starting to realize that they actually have more power than I do if they unionize. So yeah, it definitely has those those anxieties in it. And also just I'm I'm a sucker for like the the gossip girls and all of the like, you know, crazy rich Asians and just the ugly lives of the rich. So it's also like you know, I don't like hearing from actual rich people about their problems, but there's something so exciting and like, I don't know, voyeuristic or something about like reading about really terrible wealthy people mm-hmm. and people like me just trying to get through it all. Yes. Oh, that sounds really great. I think the movie is going to be called like The White Lie or something like that. Oh, it's not The Gilded Years. Nice. Well, oh yes, A White Lie. You are correct. I am excited and I think that I might get the chance to go to a real bookstore this weekend, like masked up and all that. So you two have given me a little bit of a shopping list. Oh my God. Real places. I know. Real people. (laughs) One that always comes to mind for me about books set in college. And it's been, I read this years ago, but The Secret History by Donna Tartt. I don't yes. know. Yeah, that's like a classic like setting called, but it's got it's a bit it's a different feel though, I think, from like the Gilded Age or or the one I read. It's it's like I guess maybe more. I know these students are very like intellectual and serious, right? In a certain way in that book. It's the people you hate, yeah. but at the same time want to <laughs> hang out with because they're as smart as you, but their heads are like way up there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great way, great way of putting it. I had a group kind of like that in college, like a discussion group. And now when I describe it to people, they're like, so it was a book club. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, but it was on Fridays because, you know, we weren't going to go to like hip parties. And we talked about like Aristotle and translation theory, not like whatever is on the book club. So we were kind of weird and everyone dated each other. And it was basically the secret history, but we never murdered anyone. (laughs) We killed no one and we didn't have an order. But otherwise, it was the secret. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> you two are making me feel so lame. The most exciting thing we did in college was like sneak pizza into the library so we could study on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, that is you know the importance of all sorts of stories, so we can just see what it's like—a wide range of experiences. Hopefully, though, nobody is having to learn about what it's like to be in the secret history, because that sounds a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> Although at the same time, I think a why secret history in this market of like thrillers would actually be very interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, we should talk about that. I have a few books that I think are going to hit that spot for me this summer. I got a bunch of boxes this week and I'm like, oh. Why do I have to grade? I just want to read this. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, we could talk about books and all of the books that we want to read forever. But, you know, unfortunately, we just don't have the time. Thank you so much, Toshiba, for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. This is great. So much fun to talk to you both. I'm so glad we could make it work. And yes, everyone, I think... Yeah, when this drops, your book will be out so everyone can hear it and like, you know, be ordering it online while they're listening. So yes, 
please do go pick up the Marvelous Marvel Girls. I loved it so much. I love the banter between the mom and daughter. It's just really, really great book. And I think everyone's going to love it. Oh, I loved all the tourist sites. Like, I feel like I really know Delhi, which is so, like, it was so descriptive. Also, I really want a Cutty Roll now. Like, oh, they're just, delicious. <laughs> right? Well, and there was a place in the Bay Area that was, like, basically the, you know, Chipotle of Indian food, and they made a gluten-free one. So I was like, oh, I just want to go to Curry Up now. <laughs> yeah, I want a Cutty Roll. <laughs> it's so atmospheric and yeah I definitely it it was a very immersive reading experience I'm so glad you say it because it kind of feels like an awesome responsibility as a writer to try to convey a place that you know a lot of readers won't have like a, a frame of reference for yes no you it really felt like I was it was like better than a lot of travel writing and it was a good story. <laughs> I, I found myself Googling a lot of the places you mentioned just because like you described them so well, that, but then it was like, but I want to see more. And so like being able to see photographs um, on the internet, which, you know, take that with a grain of salt because it's the internet, but like, it was really, really fun to read. Oh, that's so exciting to hear. Yeah. It brought me back to my, I went through a, like a Mughal India phase. <laughs> like first I went through a Tudor England phase and then I went on to like the Mughal empire. So I was like, oh, I should like go, you know, reread everything about like Nujrahan and you know, Jahangir. <laughs> like, it's a rich, rich period in history for sure. Oh yeah. I was like, oh, oh, so much to explore and so little time. Story of our lives. <laughs> Right. So many books to read, none of the time. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much to our sponsors for making this episode possible. And thank you so much to our amazing audio editor, Jen Zink. You can please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or share your thoughts with us on social media. And be sure to visit bookriot.com for more YA coverage and our What's Up in YA newsletter. Um, You can also check out our premium insiders program um, for new releases, extra podcasts. That's where you can find uh, me and Hannah. We do the Read Harder Insiders podcast and a lot more fun stuff. Um, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at Tears of Price. And Hannah and Sheba, what about you? Where can readers find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as SHG McLicious. I love that. You can find <laughs> you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Sheba Kareem. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. This has been so much fun. And Hannah and I will be back again in two weeks. But until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.